Jackie, I was wondering if you could start by introducing yourself. Yes. Hi, my name is Jackie Wynn. I'm the owner of Cafe Cafe. Did you grow up with coffee in your life? Yes, I did, actually. Coffee, to me, was just an everyday thing that always, like, I think I started drinking coffee at three. <laughs> my mom would make Vietnamese coffee. And so I literally just always have had coffee in my life. I, It wasn't like, oh, an adult thing. I grew up drinking coffee for sure. When did coffee become a more serious pursuit for you? Well, when I was 16, I got my first job at Starbucks and I worked there for a really long time, actually. That was my job that put me through senior year of high school. And then I worked all through college, all four years of college. I worked across the street from my from my college. And then I worked in LA for a year. And then I worked in New York for another three years at Starbucks. So ever since I was 16, it was just part of my life. That was my, my main job, pretty much. What inspired you to open a coffee shop? Well, what inspired me was pretty much necessity. I am an actor. So prior to opening Cafe Cafe, I was actually performing on a Broadway tour and the pandemic hit. And so I was out of a job, which really, really, really sucked. And I ended up kind of seeking refuge in Kansas City, very, very random. But my partner at the time, who was also on the tour with me, he is originally from Kansas City. And during that time, we were like trying to figure out what to do to wait out the pandemic, essentially. And he's like, my parents have some room here. Like, let's just wait it out for a few weeks, as, as we all thought. How optimistic of us. <laughs> right? I was like, yeah, I'm just going to temporarily wait it out. So I moved to Kansas City just thinking like, oh, I'll just be there temporarily. But I had always had this like plan C, not even a plan B, but like a plan C to be like, maybe I'll one day open up my own coffee shop or maybe a bookstore or just something like I was romanticizing the idea, you know, of just, oh, maybe I can have my own business one day of, of something cute. But then when the pandemic hit, I was like, there were no auditions. There was no jobs. My show was like indefinitely closed. So I was pretty much without any work. And so I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to have to find a way to come up with some, some money. I'm going to have to find a way to really figure out what to do during with my time. And so I worked on my branding at first just to see, oh, like I want to get my logo and my colors done, things like that. And I actually just started off thinking it would just be like a simple moneymaker for me temporarily. So I started making Vietnamese iced coffee and I would sell it like at a table, just like lemonade stand style outside of different small businesses that would that were actually still open during pandemic. And so I would sell like individual cups of Vietnamese iced coffee because like I love Vietnamese iced coffee. It's what I grew up with. And I didn't really see any spots in Kansas City that that was selling it. So I was like, oh, let me let me just sell this real quick. But then a lot of people started to follow me on social media and be like, we don't have anything like this here. Like there's no there's nothing like this in Kansas City. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. You know, I, di I didn't really know anything about Kansas City at all. I was just doing it because of I really needed money. I really needed, you know, I also needed friends. So I thought that that would be a really good way to, to meet people in the city and get to know the community. But then it kind of dawned on me as more people came that this was 
something that was like needed in the city. And what kind of pushed me to continue was I actually was really upset one day because I felt like there was really no representation in Kansas City for the Asian community. I felt like I didn't really know where I could hang out. I didn't really know where like the cool hip spots where like I could go get boba or like popcorn chicken or just like the things that are very accessible in California or Chicago or New York. I grew up in San Diego. I lived in New York for 10 years. And so I was not a Midwest girl. I was not a Kansas City girl. And so I was like super upset one day talking to my mom about how I was like, oh, like, I don't feel like I belong here. I don't feel like I have anywhere to like hang out. And she's like, well, why don't you make a space like that? Like, why don't you create something like that? Because I'm sure there's other kids that feel like the same way you do. I was like, oh, I mean, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, mom, you're right. And, you know, I was like, you know what? Why not? Why not try? There, the pandemic's happening. I don't know what's going on. This is what I can pour my heart into. You know, it wasn't necessarily a plan. It just happened out of necessity for me. And then it continued because out of necessity for like the city, what, what the city needed. And I didn't realize like the impact was going to be bigger than I expected at that time. I just kind of was fulfilling this need that I thought I was like, oh, yeah, there's this space here for it. I should create it. Yeah, I want to talk about that moment because it seems like you're not necessarily intention, but like the the way that you approached pursuing this changed once you realized, oh, this is something that the city needs. This isn't just for me. This can be something bigger beyond me. When was that apparent? Was there like a specific moment where you were like, oh, this is this is much bigger than than what I thought this was? Yeah, for sure. The biggest moment was fall of 2020. There was a um, pretty massive attack in Atlanta where eight Asian women were slain and it was a hate crime. And I was noticing there wasn't really anything happening in our city to kind of commemorate that or honor that or like no one was saying anything. It wasn't really being talked about. And a customer of mine at the time, it was just me and one of my other managers. It was just us two and she's Japanese. And so it was just two Asian women running my little cart at that time. So I had, I, I eventually got a mobile cart. And so we were really nervous. And so we would close down our cart sometimes because we didn't know if these attacks were targeted. We didn't know if, you know, they, a lot of people were going after Asian women and those businesses. And another Asian woman came up to me and said, are, are we going to, can we do something to kind of like honor these women? And so we, we decided to then hold a vigil for the city and say, announce to the press and announce to the city, like, hey, we are just going to hold this little event outside of our, our coffee shop or our coffee truck. Everyone's welcome to come. We're going to teach you how to light incense in the way that we do it in Vietnam. And we're just going to hold some space for these women that, you know, had, had died and that were Asian and that owned businesses and actually 500 people ended up showing up to that vigil that day, all types of people from the city. We had speakers that were state representatives come out. We had tons of people bring where their the flags from Singapore and Japan and Vietnam. And I just saw this like huge crowd of so many people. And I want to say for maybe an hour, I was just like talking to like person after person coming up to me and being like, thank you for doing this. No one was, was, was doing this. Like 
we really need this in our city. Like the Asian community here, especially in the Midwest, ha have no representation. There's no voice here. There's no, we, we exist here, we live here, but because like, I guess the population just isn't as big as in other places on the coast, people have like honestly kind of forgotten that we exist. And I was like, oh no, that is not happening. If I'm living anywhere, like that is not happening to uh, my community. And so that was a really pivotal moment for me to be like, okay, like this is bigger than me. This is more about my culture. It's more about amplifying us. And then I started to see, wow, like this trend of being invisible and this trend of being quieted is actually very, it, it exists not just in the, in the, the press, but it also exists within the coffee space. Yeah, I was just about to ask you about that, because I think that you're speaking to all these big themes of of not having your voice represented, maybe being in a smaller population than like the coast. And and then I'm thinking about this as you're saying it. I'm like, like, how did yeah, how did you start to see yourself once you really like saw okay, I'm needed in this community, but then now you're part of this larger coffee community that's maybe not so like locationally based. Like it's kind of like this whole national like specialty coffee community. Like how did you start to see yourself in that space? And when did you start to realize like, oh, this is a problem kind of everywhere? Oh my God. I mean, the minute I started researching like <laughs> other Vietnamese coffee shops and I was like, okay, cool. Like we have Seattle, a few in Seattle. Obviously, we have a few. We have like one or two in Philly. We have Win Coffee Supply, but that's not a shop. You know what I mean? So I was like, wait, like there's only like four of us, like in the whole United States, like Vietnamese coffee shops. That's not a boba shop or not a just like, oh, menu item in a restaurant. And I think it was the research that I started to do and seeing, okay, I started to see how many coffee shops are in Kansas City, how many of them are owned by people of color. And I was like, okay, well, that narrows it down quite substantially. And then I looked even more and I was like, wait, there's no space at all that serves any type of coffee from Vietnam, any robust, any type of Vietnamese style coffee as well. And it was honestly in all that research, I was really like, to be honest, disheartened because I think coming from Starbucks is very different, like such a different environment. And I worked in LA, I worked in New York. So to me, being in a corporate setting where you are surrounded by tourists and surrounded by so many diverse people, because I worked in a lot of stores that had a lot of actors and a lot of mm -hmm. creators and creatives. And so I was always surrounded by diversity. But then when I started to see like the specialty coffee world, like the third wave coffee shops, I began to feel very intimidated because I was like, whoa, it's like a lot of like white cis, like hipster dudes. And I felt really outnumbered. I felt like I couldn't really go to them for advice because their narrative is completely different than mine. And also my culture is involved in the process of coffee not just with the beans, but with like the style of brewing, the lifestyle, like it is actually part of our culture and part of our cuisine. It's not just this, oh, glamorized idea of like, oh, Vietnamese style coffee. No, it's like, I grew up with it. It's part of every single Vietnamese household. It's, it's something that represents our culture very, very deeply. And so I was inspired, but also really discouraged at the same time. You know what I mean? I was like, man, I have 
this amazing opportunity to showcase my culture, to showcase my, my community. But then I also don't know where I could go for guidance or like where I can go for inspiration or, so I would literally sit in different coffee shops and kind of study and see like the, the amount of people that would walk in and how diverse it was. And I, I started to feel like I, I got to go with like the beat of my own drum here because I, what I'm going to do is going to probably shake things up a lot. And I don't want to compare myself to other people or necessarily make an assumption or make any type of like copy of anything else that exists because this is already so different. So it was quite a struggle at first to find some guidance, not just with how to run your shop or anything, but even like finding capital. Like I, I'm a, I'm a woman of color and like, I'm also first generation, like my whole family, they're refugees. So there's no generational wealth there. There's no savings. There's no anything to help back up financially me starting my own business. So the whole journey itself was quite scary and a little alienating, to be honest, because I was going off just myself. That's wild to think. I mean, it's not wild to think because it's true. It's not it's like just a fact of the coffee industry but like just to just to run down some facts vietnam is the second largest producer of coffee the largest producer of robusta coffee specifically and hearing you say like there weren't very many vietnamese run coffee shops or coffee shops that were even using vietnamese coffee in like the specialty world seems kind of appalling in a way. And yeah. that, and the fact that like it's relegated almost to a drink versus an actual like cultural entity. Like before we started recording, I was telling you about my interview with Sara Nguyen who owns Nguyen Coffee Supply. And she was mm-hmm. telling me that like one of the reasons that she started her business was that she would go to coffee shops and order Vietnamese iced coffee and people would not use Vietnamese beans. And she was like, why? Like, this makes no sense. And so to, to realize that there's so little examples or there's so little blueprints for people who want to do something different is, is kind of, I don't want to say sad. It is sad, but like, it's more Mm -hmm. complex than that. It's more nuanced than that. It it feels like we often replicate the same things over and over. So when you try to do something different, there really is no blueprint for how to do that. Totally. And in a way it was, it was super sad for me mainly because it was like this overall representation of like the bigger picture of like, Oh my God, like if we don't exist in this coffee world, like, you imagine how we feel just like in the Midwest in general. That's how it, it was just like this layer upon layer of like feeling othered mm-hmm. and feeling a bit kind of like, oh, man, like you do really use our culture for like your benefit. And like as I grow older and you get older and wiser and you're like learning more about yourself and your identity, like that has been my journey all through my 20s. And now like my mid 30s is like discovering what trauma I've experienced in the past from like racism and things that I've just accepted as normal, which wasn't normal or I thought was like, oh yeah, well, I'm just Asian. And so of course I'm not going to get a spot on this team or of course I'm not like that was normalized to me. And now I'm older being like, whoa, I can't believe that was like my experience. And the same with coffee. It's like, Yeah, if I'd go into, you know, hipster coffee shop and they'd be like, oh, Vietnamese coffee, I'd order it and be and I felt 
low key, like, oh, like I'm so glad they have Vietnamese coffee, but not realizing they weren't using Vietnamese beans, not even using Vietnamese brewing styles. Like, but that was normalized for me because we were never in any type of scene or mainstream anything. So just having the fact that someone would say it's Vietnamese coffee was like, oh, cool. But now I'm like, wait, no, that's not cool at all. <laughs> like th that wasn't legit at all. And my shop has been this like crazy journey of not just the Midwest, but the third wave coffee industry. And also within myself, like all these layers of realizing like, wow, we have never really truly had space. And like, now I'm trying to take up space and it is very difficult, but it's necessary. And I'm hoping my shop can continue to do shake things up and to kind of rearrange what you think is normal or, or what you think is just like what you're used to isn't necessarily always going to be correct or isn't always necessarily going to be relatable to everyone. It's just what we've been accustomed to for so long. What's really powerful about what you just said is just how many layers there are to this conversation. It wasn't like you specifically were like, there isn't Asian representation in Kansas City, so I'm going to open up a shop. It is an individual journey. It is locationally based journey exploring your community in Kansas City, but it's also like an industry wide exploration. Oh. And that's a lot of layers to unpack and a lot of work that you have to do on so many levels, not just opening and running a business during a pandemic, which is a huge feat on its own, yeah. but then also realizing like, I'm doing something very specific and I'm doing something very intentional. What does that look like? And what does that mean for the larger community? And I wonder like, how did you, how did you start realizing that like, this was just so much more than maybe what you set out to do? I don't know if like you, you realized how complex that was going to be when you started this process. Like when did it kind of dawn on you how complicated and nuanced this was going to be? Well, I really wanted to make sure that if I'm going to own a business and if I'm going to run something, I want it to align with my values. I want it to align with my morals. I want it to literally be a reflection of who I am as a person. And I don't want to hold back on that, even if it means I don't make as much money or even if it means I lose a certain customer base or whatever, because I, as a customer, as a consumer, I like to spend my money where I know that the money is going somewhere important or I'm supporting someone that might not have enough support. Like I love supporting small businesses that mean a lot to me. I started to think, okay, how do I want to run my business and how do I want to make sure that I'm doing it with grace, but also honesty and aligns with like, also like who I am as an artist and a human. And I read I, I was researching a bunch of different books that I could read about business. And specifically, I was taking a free course online about branding because, listen, I studied musical theater. I have a BFA in musical theater. So I, <laughs> what I, my adulthood and all my college studies was like singing and dancing and voice. And like, I know show business, but I couldn't really tell you anything about starting LLC. So I did a lot of research. I took a lot of free online courses. And one of the branding courses suggested me to read this book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And that book really like changed a lot of how I began to see my business. And it basically says like, why are you doing what you're doing? What does it mean for you personally? And you have to be super specific. If you're literally, if your why is like 
I want to make sure that my Vietnamese American narrative of who I am growing up in San Diego, California is shown because I believe that there are other Vietnamese Americans that want representation. Like that's how specific you can be with your why, because that will be an anchor for you to always go back to. Part of my why is also profit because profit then means breaking generational trauma and creating generational wealth. Like, right. and that why is even bigger of an impact. And then another layer is, is within the coffee industry because yeah, within my research, I was like, whoa, Vietnam is like the second largest in, like exporter and then the number one exporter of Robusta. So it's like, what? Like in the whole world, you're saying we're up there and like no one knows about our coffee. That's crazy to me. Like that's bananas, but everyone knows about Brazil and everyone knows about Colombia. But like, even then, like, unfortunately, the the cultures behind Ethiopian coffee or Colombian coffee are not highlighted. It's just the beans. It's just the maybe some of the farmers, but like not their culture. Like, I just wanted more of that. I wanted to be like, yo, like my mom used a Vietnamese fiend growing up. And I grew up like at five years old, seeing that and knowing exactly like when I see that condensed milk come out, that means mom's making coffee in the morning. Like, why aren't those things being told? And just like, people don't know that the reason why we use condensed milk is because Vietnam is a super like poor ass country and did not have refrigeration back in the day. And so they were, they had to use condensed milk because it was the, the one sweet thing that lasted without electricity or refrigeration. Like people don't know that. They just think, oh, it's like yummy. You know, it's like, no, it was out of necessity, bro. Like just because you use condensed milk in your shop, you don't really know why. You know, it's like those little nuances were so important to me because that's just part of my identity. And it's part of what I grew up with. And so I really wanted to make sure people knew about that and that they saw that, wow, there's so much more to this than, I I knew before. Yeah, it seems like as you're as you're describing this, I was thinking about how little cultural identity so many coffee shops have. And that seems kind of the opposite of many restaurants. Like we yeah. honor we honor and like seek out restaurants that like do honor like cultural traditions and bring in like knowledge and expertise of people from all over the world. And yet in coffee, we use a product that comes from somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. we really just like devoid of any cultural identity. And (laughs) this is me speaking kind of like blanket statements. And there are a lot of places who are starting to change that narrative, like your cafe. And, but, but I wonder like, I wonder why that's happened. And obviously I don't expect you to know the answer to that. Cause that would be like a whole thesis level, like, like, like research topic. But I think it's really interesting that like you decided to like inject this part of your identity and this part of like your cultural understanding of coffee in this like very like multifaceted way. And mm-hmm. it really informed why you were there. Like, why am I here? I'm here to do X, Y, and Z. And you talked about the book that you read too. Uh, I even Googled it while you were talking, start with why. And I feel like for so many coffee shops, because they're seen as kind of like a low risk 
like startup or a low risk business, that that mm-hmm. question is often never, never asked. To me, I feel like coffee shops are not necessarily like a necessity, right? Like a necessary business to open, especially, I mean, for me in the POC world, like in the Asian and specifically more of the Vietnamese narrative, like a lot of the things that I grew up with or seeing family members start, it's like, well, we want to make sure that this lasts. And so food is going to be like lasting, like everyone loves food. Like you can really like cook your traditional dishes. Like it's easier to be like in a survival mode versus coffee shops almost seem like decorative. Like it seems like, oh, you have extra money. I want to open up this like passion project versus like, no, I need to open this up to survive within the Vietnamese culture, nail salons are a huge, huge part of our culture because when there was a huge, like a huge refugee population coming over to America during the 70s, there was a woman that created this program for Vietnamese women to learn how to do nails so that they can make a living. And then that it became a family business and it just spread. It was like, oh, we know that we can come to America to open a nail shop and survive and make money. That's like our survival job versus a coffee shop is a bit more like, well, I have money. I want to like invest in something, but it's not necessarily like to survive. It's more like, oh, I want to own a nice business. I want to like, I'm either passionate about coffee, but this might not be like the only thing I do. Maybe I do other things or maybe my family has many businesses. So I want to own my own business as well. And usually those people that open coffee shops, like I, in the past, and I'm talking like maybe five, 10 years ago, have a lot of generational wealth, have investors, have people that are willing to be like, yeah, like coffee shops are necessity. Like we all love them. It's one, a very like recession proof business, of course, but in the, the Asian culture, it's not deemed as like, oh, that's going to be a a thriving business. That's going to help me survive. And so I think that's why maybe we see less of that in the coffee world because it's, it's also very expensive and a hard business to kind of pursue. Clearly I've experienced that because there's not any of us to base that off of or to get guidance or to get help. But you know, there's so many restaurants, so many nail shops, so many other types of businesses that we're like, okay, at least I have a blueprint for this, you know, but with coffee, no, there's none of that that exists for specifically Asian coffee. I was thinking too, that a lot of what I think kind of robs coffee of its cultural identity is the way that we source coffee as well. Mm -hmm. Like coffee runs basically on the idea of exploitation of labor. So Mm -hmm. part of the process is like, devaluing its cultural identity by like presenting oh this is a nice so-and-so washed arabica from here but like Mm -hmm. but we're not going to talk about anything else like that's it and again it's like a thing that we have purposely devalued monetarily to the delight and like pleasure of consuming countries like we've done this on purpose like that's like the cultural like history of coffee is based on exploitation Mm -hmm. We're, we're, we're starting to challenge that in really meaningful ways and yeah. on, on all levels, on all levels through like the supplier, through, through the farmer to the people who are seeing opening coffee shops and seeing you say like, hey, like I can serve Vietnamese coffee. Like I can serve coffee that is actually from Vietnam in my coffee shop, which doesn't sound like 
a necessarily revolutionary idea. Like it seems like it should be pretty obvious. Like we were talking about Vietnam is the second largest importer or exporter of coffee. And yet like it is like you, you're one of the only people doing it. So there is like a really like encouraging sea change, but at the same time, like the, the history of coffee has just like, it seems robbed so many people of, of any sort of like cultural identity. And it's kind of like a shame. It's, it's like amazing to see people reclaiming that. If that makes yeah, sense. And there, there's a lot of opportunity to change it. Like, it's not like, oh, the coffee spaces now that exist won't be able to do that too. It's just like, okay, then hire people that represent your shop in a way that can be culturally authentic or learn, like yeah. go to these places, learn about their culture, learn about the, the your, your vendors, learn about the things that you, you promote in a deeper level. And like, educate yourself and know that that is totally okay too. Like that, that, and that's, that's what I want people to also know is that like, I'm not saying, oh, this is how all coffee shops need to be. All I'm saying is that we should have an opportunity to showcase our, our culture and our space without feeling like othered or without feeling like super invisible, like to be like, yo, this is part of our culture. Like this is not just a trend. Like this is not like some yeah. new pop-up fusion idea. Like this has been so like we have had Vietnamese coffee in America for decades. And yet it's 2023 and we're just at maybe six coffee shops, seven coffee shops in the whole United States. Like what? That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any like, I don't know. It just seems very weird. So yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm doing a lot of different work to try and help amplify that. But I'm also just also focusing on making sure that like I'm having fun. I am supporting the certain small businesses that really help amplify not just Asian communities, but marginalized communities because man, like it's tough out here for people of color in the coffee industry. Like we're trying, we're trying to do breakthrough, but it's always been very dominated by white people. And so it's, it's very hard to kind of create the space and take up space when you haven't had that space before without being so overwhelmingly like shoving down things, shoving down your throat. Like, I don't want to be this, like, I wish I didn't have to be so, so outspoken. I wish I didn't have to continuously be like, Hey, like there is no coffee. There is no space for us in this industry. There is no space for us in this industry. Like if I didn't, if there was already space, I wouldn't have to, to do that. I wish I could just be a a, re- a regular coffee shop, like, a, you know, not, you know, instead of being like, I'm an Asian coffee shop or I'm a Vietnamese coffee shop. It's like, well, I should just be able to have a coffee shop. But unfortunately, it, it's just not the case uh, right now. And so, yeah, it, it's tough, but it's also very exciting to see that like, oh, I, I was able to open my own shop but there were a lot of hurdles and still still many challenges. What I find really inspiring about everything that you've said, and there's so much to pick at. There's so much like personal community, like bigger picture things that I think you're doing and you're operating on so many different planes. But what I think is like, but just to distill it back to what I think like a lot of coffee shops are lacking is that you seem to have a really specific purpose. And mm. not to say that that's like a purpose maybe like, 
that that can't evolve or can't change but it seems like you know who you are and you know what you're doing and when I think about a lot of other coffee shops particularly ones where like maybe a competitor opens up close by or maybe there's like a dip in customers what I find when I talk to people like that is that they don't really understand why they're there Mm. and I've talked to so many people who think opening up a coffee shop is easy or it's a hobby business like we were talking about earlier that it's like it's not necessarily needed like a coffee shop isn't like offering a vital service that helps people like live or they die like without it but it it needs like a reason like it needs a reason to exist and I often find that people don't really know what that reason is and Mm. hearing you talk even though there's like pain and and joy kind of associated in both like both pain and joy are, are, are kind of like two sides of the same coin sometimes but it seems like you know exactly why you're here yeah, I do. And I think I think being niche and being specific is such a, a boss business move because you're not afraid to be specific. And I think I am very open about me being very supporting of the queer community and the Black community, the Hispanic community. Like I'm very, I, I talk about a lot of the things that I support and I remember getting interviewed by somebody a long time ago being like, but what about the people that don't agree with you? And you're going to be losing their service. You're going to be losing like their money. And I said, I, I don't really want their money. <laughs> like right. if, they don't, if they don't support the things I support, like that's not the co- consumer base I want walking into my shop. And I'm okay with that. And I think a lot of coffee shops that are kind of generic or that they, they're not very specific in what they support they're afraid. They're afraid of like, well, I want to appeal to everyone. And I'm like, look, like there, this is a very large world and there's a lot. And like coffee is taste. It's like music. And like, not everyone's going to like punk. Not everyone's going to like rap or country, but like, that's why those, those artists exist because they're catering to a, a niche group of people. And I think coffee should be the same. It's like, you want to be super specific with your audience because like, there, there's room for everyone. There's literally room for everyone. Like, and I think that if you're afraid of losing a type of consumer base, then you need to do a lot more digging as in into your personal, like, why? Like, are you just doing this because you're, you just want to make money? Okay. Then what is like deeper than that? Like, is it because like you are financially like, okay, you, you're financially insecure. You have like more, and, and that is a truth for me. Like I do worry about profit because I don't have a secure background. I don't have any savings. I don't have this, like my parents don't have a wealth or anything. Like my mom doesn't even have a a high school degree. So I live very transparently with my values. I talk about how I started my business. I'm very, very transparent with that journey because I know, I know that there are other young people first generation Asian Americans, kids of refugees that want to open up their business. That is so freaking specific, but it makes me know why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? And like, I think other coffee shops, you got to have a very specific why. Like, are you catering to the young LA Instagram influencers like that love only blogging? Like that is okay. That is totally like you can be that specific in that niche because there's room for everyone. There's going to be hundreds of people that visit your shop that want your specific blend, that want to see your specific barista, that love 
is not just according to location, but it's your vibe. Maybe they love having meetings there because it's so quiet and clean and like, and you should lean into that. Like that's okay. And I think people are afraid of leaning into their authentic selves because they're afraid of either judgment or they're afraid to lose profit. But you have to understand that like you won't lose profit because the people that support what you do are going to come in. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, I am very specific with my why and with who I am mainly also because like I am running the show. I am running the shop. It's my first time owning my own business. What? Why not make it as much me as possible? Like, why not have that reflect who I am? It, then it'll make my job easier because I don't have to fake anything. I just know like, oh, the, well, I love the branding. I would wear it every day. Like, if you're not going to wear your brand every day, like you're not doing, you're not making your job easier for you. Right, right. And like, Going back to something that you were saying earlier that we touched on like really briefly, but we didn't really go into it too much. But I have to imagine that knowing what you're for and what you're about also makes your job way more fun. Like I can only imagine going into a coffee shop where you're like kind of not sure why you're there. Like the moment conflict arises, like that's not fun because you're not really sure what your guiding principles are, right? Like you don't know, like if a customer comes in and does whatever xyz action and you're like well what am i about like am i about like appeasing the customer at all costs like what is the answer here versus like no this is what i'm about and if i don't have vanilla lattes and someone freaks out about it then like that's fine like i'm i'm secure in my identity and i know that's like a silly example but but like i think there's something to be said too about like being able to like sit down say exactly what your why is and then being able to kind of conform like your day to that because I have to imagine like I don't know there's like some like level of like stress removed from from knowing your why because you're like I know I know what I'm gonna do when I show up every day you know what I mean yes and we are not generic people like we are individual people with stories with specific cultures with family histories and I think that should translate in your business because we are a the business of serving people. We're not serving robots or computers that like don't have stories. Like there's a cadence to our understanding and there's emotions involved. Like business is, is emotional. Business can be personal business. Yes. We can set proper boundaries within business, but at the same time, like if you're serving human beings with hearts and brains, like you are going to have emotions, you're going to have specific stories that are being told. And like, we have to remember that. And I think what I do as often as I can, when I try to put myself as like a business person, I look at myself as a customer, like what stores do I love? Like, what do I need as a person when I go shopping or when I go to a coffee shop or what brings me joy as a consumer and like, put yourself in those shoes, you know, like, and I try to do that every day with my, my customers. And I, I try to, be a customer in my own shop every day. And like, I think we get so wrapped up in like, oh my gosh, I need to make money or I need to have social media following or I need to like run the business well. And I I totally get that too, but we're we're just humans. Like we gotta, we gotta put more into what we do. And I think that that is changing. And I see a lot of shops like opening up that are way more specific, that are very intentional, and, and I love that, but there's, there's so much more room to grow for all of us, especially in this industry. 
Is there anything that you want people to know about you before we wrap up? I think I just want people to know that I'm one of many people that deserve space and that deserve time and deserve the ability to be on Boss Priest podcast. And, <laughs> and there's, I'm one of many. And just because I might be the loudest right now within the Asian culture doesn't mean that they're not dozens behind me trying to do the same thing. And I think that we should start with conversations and questions. Like, I think a lot of people are nervous that they don't want to offend anyone. I, and I get that, but being quiet doesn't help anything. So it's like, ask your friends, especially your Asian friends, like, how are you feeling? Have you heard of this Vietnamese coffee shop? Have you, have you felt this way in other coffee shops before? I just think Opening up dialogue is going to be so important because learning and having perspective is key, is so key to beginning your journey of learning about the Asian culture or just like coffee shops in general. So I think that's it. <laughs> well, Jackie, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Oh my gosh, anytime. It was so lovely and I'm I'm so honored and, and thank you so much for giving me the time and the space and just like being able to tell my story. Cause every time I get to tell my story, it's one more person that gets to learn when I, I, or gets to experience or like I get to talk to you essentially. And I, and I am very, very grateful for that. So thank you.